Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Jason Kindrichuk, Assistant Professor and Canadian Research Chair of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Manitoba. Dr. Jason, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm going to start with a listener question. It just came in, and it's a good one here at 204-780-6868. Hal, here's a question for Dr. K. Uh, How reliable is the test positivity if we only want people with COVID symptoms to be tested? Wouldn't that ensure a higher number? And how can public health be sure schools aren't causing spread when there are so many community spread cases? And we heard Dr. Rusin during the news conference say that the test positivity number is too high. An interesting point that the listener makes. Yeah, no, it certainly is one of these questions we get into when we start talking about how do you strategize your testing and, you know, and how do you do that to try and get a reliable number? Certainly, if you if you are only testing people that are symptomatic, um, you, you do have or run that risk of potentially skewing the results. And in particular, if you have a high number of tests that are in a region uh, or a municipality that, that has a, you know, a, a higher than normal test positivity rate as compared to the outlying regions. Um, you know, and really the way to do it is, is to try and have some randomization in, in those tests. I think, you're, you know, you're still assuming that um, even with a, a skew towards, uh, you know, certain symptoms, that there are a number of other symptoms that, or a number of other diseases that present with similar symptoms, and hopefully you're able to get some of that uh, that randomization. So, you know, I, I think it's you're trying to balance, you know, getting, uh, you know, getting contact with with the cases that are the most likely to have COVID, but also trying to do it in a way that you still get a reliable um, outlook on what's going on. Now, in terms of schools, listen, it's. This is a hot button question, and, and certainly I've I've had any number of people that have debated with me uh, the merit of doing this. Um, we've seen various reports that have suggested there there may be some transmission, there may not be. Uh, you know, I to me, I think the the question still comes in saying if you were to go in and do asymptomatic testing in a school uh, or or across an entire region of schools. What do you see? And especially if you're able to do that over time to look to see whether or not you are seeing, uh, you know, increases in numbers beyond what's outlined in the community. I don't think we specifically know. Um, and, and that's just my my judgment call as, you know, as, again, as a simple virologist. I think we're still a little bit in the weeds on where kids kind of fit in with COVID transmission. But should that sort of thing be happening? I, I would say yes, but are we just overwhelmed with the virus itself and we're busy treading water trying to deal with daily numbers and getting numbers down that we don't have time to do some experimentation in schools, as you said, for example? Well, you know, I, I still sit on the the side of saying uh, I want to know specifically whether or not that, that is an area of, of potential concern. I think in, in particular if you're looking at the implementation of restrictions and you're not necessarily seeing the numbers going in the the direction as quickly as you want you know you, you start looking at, at around and saying okay well what what are the areas that that are still open and, and where might we be having transmission um you know it, it's tough to say again i i always defer back to public health experts mm-hmm. but i certainly think when you know when we're looking at high uh, transmission rates it, it's an unaddressed question 
Sure. I do want to get to the uh, vaccine rollout, but nine deaths today, and, and these numbers represent human beings. We can't say that enough. Nine Manitobans died today, 241 uh, new cases. But it does appear as though the numbers are starting slowly to come down. Yeah, it, it, it certainly gives a, a bit of a confidence boost that we're seeing, you know, at the very least, case numbers seem to be on that somewhat downward trajectory. They're, you know, they plateaued a little bit again in that kind of high 200 to 300 range, um, but, but they certainly are, are starting in the right direction. The, the thing that concerns me is certainly the fatalities. Uh, December has been a, a tough month so far. If we just look back on the last 14 days, that's the aspect that I think we have to appreciate is that even as cases are going down, we will still see hospitalizations and we certainly will still see fatalities. And this is why we have to keep vigilant with doing the right things and making the right choices. Yeah, very good point, because the deaths have sort of continued. I mean, we're nine today. We were in double digits uh, for several days there. But we have, you know, 303 people in hospital right now, 13 of them sick enough to be in ICU. So, uh, you know, it's likely that we, we will see the deaths continue. Yeah, and it's the unfortunate reality of this disease, right, is that, you know, there, there is this, this lag in terms of hospitalizations and, and fatalities. And I, I look at this again and, and say, you know, this is, these are people from our communities and, and families and friends. Um, you know, we have to do whatever we can, especially this time of year. We, we want to ensure that, that people are, are safe and, and start out 2021 going in the right direction. And as we see the numbers coming down a little bit, the vaccine rollout is underway. Final question, and then we'll get into the vaccine stuff uh, big time here, Dr. Kindrichuk. Uh, but all of this, you know, some positive news, certainly the vaccine and the numbers lowering in, in Winnipeg and in Manitoba, but just in time for Christmas when I don't care how many times you say don't gather, there will be people that will gather. And then what are we looking at as we head into the new year? Will the numbers pop back up again? Well, you know, I think our best indicator of that is what we saw over Thanksgiving, right? It, we, we know what happened. We knew the cases were increasing and trending uh, or starting to trend in the wrong direction. And just, you know, a couple of days of having people, you know, going to, to see friends or going to see family, that created just a massive transmission chain and, and something that we are still dealing with now. Um, this is what we don't want, in particular, uh, coming through Christmas. And, and, you know, and yes, I understand there's that pull to see family uh, and see friends. But we, we've got to think, you know, six weeks down the road, where, where do we want to be in kind of the dead of winter? Mm-hmm. This number, uh, I mean, they, uh, you know, had hundreds of thousands of calls to this number that went public, the number that, uh, you know, certain healthcare workers were to call to book an appointment, which uh, the first shot in Manitoba could happen as early as Wednesday. Here's my theory, and, and you tell me what you're thinking. Uh, you know, all these polls that say, well, the, the number ranges, but all these polls that say, you know, a third to, uh, you know, a, a half of people will not get the vaccine. I think just the number of people that were calling that line on the weekend and saying, I'm a healthcare worker, oh, that's terrible. But the people, I think the demand for this vaccine is going to be greater than we think, that greater than what the polls would indicate. What do you think? Yeah, I have no debate about that whatsoever. So, you know, we, we often see this, right? That there's uh, certainly that, that push to, um, you know, maybe be a little bit combative or contrarian and, and say that I'm not going to do this, I don't need it. Uh, when push comes to shove, I think we will see the numbers rise. Now, certainly, we have to be concerned about the fact that there are people that certainly are hesitant, and, and we need to appreciate that those people that are a little bit hesitant or a little bit kind of on the fence 
um, we need to provide proper messaging for why they should be getting vaccinated. And that really needs to be where our focus is to try and, and get those people to, to take part. If there are people that are completely averse to, to wanting to take the vaccine, listen, they're, they're not going to, uh, to change their mind based on, on a piece of data that you provide, um, if they're, especially if they're heavily anti-vaxxed. Focus on the people that, that are hesitant, get them good information, provide them with updates, and, and let's hope that, that we can get people vaccinated to the point of herd immunity. And what's the number in order to get to herd immunity, uh, the, the, amount, the amount of the population that would need to be uh, immunized? Because I think the number is something like 7% of the population in Manitoba could be uh, immunized, have the vaccine by the end of March. I mean, that's not even close to where it needs to be, right? No, it's, it's extremely low, right? So we need to be somewhere, uh, you know, probably in the network of 60 to 80 percent, uh, you know, give or take a little bit on either side of that, um, and, and probably more on the low end. Um, certainly, yeah, when we look at the rollout, uh, you know, it, it, it gives us the impression that you know, by, we're not going to be at herd immunity by March. But we also have to consider that there are going to be other vaccines that will be coming through the approval process. So certainly the, the Moderna vaccine uh, shouldn't be that far behind. Likely the, the Johnson & Johnson and, and the AstraZeneca vaccines uh, will come uh, you know, somewhere uh, in early 2021. All that means that we're going to be having increased uh, you know, platforms of vaccines that are going to be introduced. And that should uh, you know, decrease the overall burden of trying to get vaccine out to to the outlying communities. So I think it's still achievable, but it's going to be certainly a rolling target. And what have you heard about those other vaccines? Anything at all? Because obviously uh, the Pfizer vaccine is difficult to handle. It's got to be at minus 70 Celsius. Uh, Moderna is a bit easier to handle. What about the other vaccines that are coming? What are you hearing about them? Yeah, so the other vaccines, the advantage is is really that, um, you know, they don't have the same requirements for, for uh, cold storage. So certainly with the AstraZeneca vaccine, one of the things that's been discussed is the fact that for low and middle income regions and underserved communities where transport is more difficult, um, you have actually a, a much greater uh, stability range in terms of temperatures. So that cold storage isn't isn't nearly as as big of a, uh, an issue or of a requirement. But even the Moderna vaccine, when we look at the overall stability uh, at you know at refrigerated temperatures as compared to uh, minus 20 or, or minus 70, the stability actually looks quite good. So I think that we're again we're moving in the right direction. Uh, the first vaccine is not going to be the one that I think is going to uh, to get us right through to, to where we need to be. Um, it's going to be a, a probably a staggered approach with d- different vaccines that get introduced and seeing those rolled out to the communities that, um, that, that are, you know, essentially being targeted uh, based on, uh, on the properties of the, those vaccines. And final question, any concerns or um, questions on the rollout? We're seeing uh, the first shots given in eastern Canada. We're hoping the first shots will be given here in Manitoba on Wednesday. We had a couple of people have allergic reactions in Britain. Uh, how do, uh, as you watch the rollout, uh, it's impressive, uh, but any questions or concerns? You know what? At, at this point, no. I mean, I, I'm kind of sitting back and watching to see how this is going. And certainly in the, in the, in the days ahead, we'll get an idea of how uh, well the, the Canadian strategy is working for getting things rolled out. The adverse reactions, you know, thankfully, we've only seen the two so far. We don't know how they directly link back to the vaccine, but we've seen some, you know, some change in the recommendations for people with allergies. Um, those kinds of things, I don't say we expect, but certainly the, you know, people's eyes are open and watching and monitoring this in real time. So as any sort of concerns come up, if there are any, they will be relayed immediately to the public. But again, we're, we're not going to be beholden to one vaccine. Uh, there'll be multiple platforms, and that should actually allow us to get out 
to, to everybody, uh, you know, probably independent of their underlying conditions. Dr. Jason Kindrichuk, thank you for your time, as always. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Jason is the Assistant Professor and Canadian Research Chair of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Manitoba. Peter Janakis, owner of Pony Corral Restaurants. Peter, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Wanted to have you uh, wanted to have you on here because uh, you did this at Thanksgiving and listen, like so many local restaurants, and and you're local, um, you're uh, pivoting and doing whatever you have to to try and make life easy for people and and get them enjoying that great Pony Corral food. You were telling me this morning when I called you, you're actually going to be open on Christmas, eh? Yeah, Al Wolf, we're recreating the wheel, so for the first time. We're opening up uh, Christmas Eve. We're going to be open uh, my Nairn Avenue location on my Pemina Highway. We're going to be open till 2 a.m. And then on Sunday, uh, the Pemina Highway location, we will be open till 3 p.m. Okay, and obviously that's uh, curbside pickup and delivery. Um, so what are you serving up for people over the holidays? Because uh, a lot of people, and I've been hearing from them this afternoon, by text and email, a lot of them are alone. A lot of them are just, you know, husband and wife, husband and wife, maybe a kid. They don't want to cook the big bird. So, you know, ordering from Pony or, or many other local restaurants that are doing something similar to you is, is a good option. Well, we're recreating the wheel, as you know, um, different times here. So what we're doing is uh, for individual, we're doing our individual turkey, and then we'll do a half turkey and a full turkey, too. So we, we can, you know, have it either hand-carved or we can do it, like I said, the half and the full bird. And then you can you get all the trimmings with it. So you'll get your veggies and your mashed potatoes and your stuffing and your gra- uh, gravy and your cranberry. But also what we'll have is the pony favorite. So you could do a half pan, full pan. So you could get your, like, your, your Greek ribs or your souvlaki or you could get your roast or your rice or your Greek salad or Caesar or your penny pasta. So... You know, we're doing some family-style meals, but, you know, in individuals, too. Yeah, a lot of people are switching it up this year. They can't have the big gathering with the turkey and all the fixings, so they are, you know, going with a pony favorite or, you know, some people are, I know, ordering Chinese food. So, yeah, people are, are switching it up. i, I got to ask you, you know, when uh, the Code Red restrictions got extended into the new year, that had to be disappointing for you and, and really tough on the entire restaurant industry locally. Well, the the uh, restaurant and the hoteliers have got hit the hardest. And, you know, unfortunately, this year we had probably the best fall we've ever had. Like November was like we had days that were 20 Celsius. So we could have still had people on our patios and have people inside a restaurant. And right now is our high season. So, you know, I'm here at uh, I have my corporate office over at the pier. So I'm upstairs overlooking the river here right now. We're looking at my NZ dining room where at this time of the year we would have it full for Christmas cheer and corporate parties. But what's happening right now is, is you know, we've laid off 180 people. We're down to 25 people and, you know, my employees and, and all of them are, not, you know, not working today, which is their high season to make their money. But what, what I'm seeing now, the trend is a lot of corporate companies, which would be, be full right now with parties for lunch and dinner. Um, what they're doing is they're, you know, I've offered 100 uh, at a $100 gift certificate, you get 20 
And what they're doing is a lot of them are pulling up and they're picking up curbside and they're taking it to their, their customers. And for their employees, they're buying gift certificates where they can get 20% off at the restaurant. So it's, it's a different way of uh, doing Christmas, but still we're providing a service for that. And we can custom a lot of things, a lot of items too. So we have a, a, a large menu too that we could, uh, you know, create different things. Mm-hmm. When things do get back to something closer to normal, when people can dine in again, I think, and and listen, you've got to get there first, right? The restaurants, uh, you know, many of these small mom-and-pop restaurants are going to have a hard time getting to that other side. But once we get to the other side, I really think people, uh, the first thing they're going to do is head to the Pony Corral and have dinner. And you know what I mean? Like, there will just be this incredible pent-up demand, but it's getting there. Well, it's tough. I mean, uh, sitting and I have 20,000 square feet of uh, restaurants, my three locations. My Grand Park location has only been open five months this year. And, and the reason I closed that location is because it's close to the Pemina Highway and we have some hotels on the Strip and stuff. So we're in the same zone for Skip and uh, DoorDash. But we're really promoting the curbside so people can get that 20% off and they can get their food immediately. And, uh, yeah, no, it's very frustrating for all of us. And uh, yeah. we just can't. Our, our customers back in our, our properties and all the restaurant tours and I mean the hoteliers and, and it's it's yeah it's been a, a tough grind and a tough year for everybody. Yeah, I'll just say it again so so people are clear on this because I drove over to my favorite pony on Nairn the other night and I grabbed dinner and it is a great offer you've got going right now so you get a hundred dollars in gift certificates you get 20 for free when you buy a hundred and curbside and delivery right now is 20 percent off I mean. That's a great opportunity uh, for somebody looking to enjoy some some great local food. Well, we're we're also you know what creating the wheel, recreating the wheel again too. With uh, you know now you're having your your Super Bowl coming up, and you got your Monday night, uh, uh, Thursday night, and Friday, so you could get a bucket of uh, bud, and you get a free pound of ribbies. And then you get it to enter because we have these prizes we're giving away. So they're sitting in the facilities. So we're giving away, you know, the early bird prize, a Budweiser cooler, and then the recliner chair. So you enter to win if you, you know, you order a, a bucket of Bud to go on curbside. And then, uh, you know, you get a chance to win these great prizes too. So we're trying to utilize and be creative in different ways. Yeah, it's tough. Peter, thanks for your time today. Best of luck. Merry Christmas thanks. if I don't talk thanks. to you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.